This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the July 8th episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up today, Charlize Theron. The Oscar winner is talking about her new awesome Netflix action movie, The Old Guard, in which she plays the leader of a five-person army of immortals. Theron talks about her kick-ass co-star, Kiki Lane, the movie's groundbreaking gay couple, and being the mom of two black children in the era of Black Lives Matter. Plus, is there a Marvel superhero movie in her future? Find out on today's The Big Ticket with Mark Malkin. I'll be right back. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Charlize Theron once again proves to be one of Hollywood's best action stars. In Netflix's new The Old Guard, an adaptation of the graphic novel of the same name, Theron plays Andy, a 6,000-year-old warrior who leads a small army of five fellow immortals. Not only does Kiki Lane, who plays Marine, who discovers she's immortal, hold her own next to Theron in the movie, but the film also features a beautiful gay couple played by Marwan Kanzari and Luca Marinelli. Rounding out the army is Matthias Schonartz. I caught up with Theron via Zoom from her home in Los Angeles. Hi! Oh! Hi, Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Are you staying safe? Staying safe, really sick of the apartment. I'm just gonna say it. I'm really sick. (laughs) I know the feeling, I know, I know, I know. I like go into the bedroom. I'm like, oh, that's a different view. I, it's just, <laughs> I know. I, I know. I find myself creeping, creeping on my property and just like finding like little corners <laughs> just to like get away from everything. I know. My husband, I'll go into the living room at night being like, I'm home from work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's crazy. How are you holding up? We're good. You know, yeah, like everybody yeah. else, one day at a time healthy yes think you know luckily not directly affected by the virus so that's great and um super grateful for that but everybody yeah everybody's doing well are you doing the homeschooling are you being a teacher yes (laughs) terrible (laughs) one it sounds but if you ask my kids um that was the most stressful part of it for sure i i I will do a million action movies before i go through that again (laughs) Very what, stressful. What, what was the most stressful subject? What do you think? Math. Math. <laughs> oh my God. My eight-year-old just turned to me at one point and she was like, I think you're a terrible math teacher, Mom. And she's right. <laughs> you're like, but I'm a really great action star. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was really rough. So old guard, I've told everyone, I hope people have told you that I absolutely love the movie yay my husband and i watched it we were so into it like it's just 
it's fun, there's drama, there's love, there's just obviously action. Like, are you just an action pro? Do you just walk on these sets now? It's like, okay, this is how you do a punch. <laughs> yeah, no, God, no. I wish. The thing about these movies, it, they take a lot of work and you have to really kind of invest Every, all of it to the discipline of, you know, training and physically getting ready for it. We trained for about four months before we even started shooting. And it was a tough shoot. We, um, we really, uh, we set the bar pretty high yeah. for these action set pieces. Sorry, that's my dog going crazy. I, see, I got my dog out of the room to both of them. I, he, she's out of the room, but I can still hear her. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, but yeah, I mean the training, I wish you could just walk on and just, and just do it with your eyes closed. But unfortunately, yeah, you, you have to go to the gym. <laughs> I spoke to Gina and she told me that the first scene was the fight scene on the plane with you and Kiki. Yeah, that was our first week. Uh, how do you, first of all, I love Kiki, but I'm sure she was a little nervous, like going into a fight scene with Charlize on a plane. By the way, I was just as nervous. I mean, there's Why? something about there's something about the first week, especially when you're just starting. I don't know. It's just new. It's uh, a new character. You're still feeling things out. You're not 100% sure if you made all the right decisions. You're still calibrating the whole thing. Um, but it was really nice to, you know, we did it on purpose. There was a real thought behind wanting to shoot that first because I think that scene really set the tone for the whole film. And it was good for us to start with an action piece because that was what so much of this movie was. And it was challenging. The set piece was, you know, it was small, a small space for us to, to um, constantly trip and bump into things. But no, we were both really nervous. There's that, yeah. That, and, and then after that first week, I think everybody was like, all right, we can do that. Then we can do anything. And then, you know, it's good from there. But Gina said that, the two of you kept going, like you wanted to make sure you got those, those hits just exactly right. And it was just like, if you clocked each other by accident, you hugged it out and you said, okay, let's move on. Well, listen, we have an incredible stunt team. Uh, our second unit director on this was incredibly, he's one of the best and our fight coordinator and stunt coordinator. You know, these are people who they're at the top of their game. And the one thing that I love about them is that they don't buy into anything mediocre. And so, you know, with some people be like, yeah, that's fine. That's good. You know, there was an understanding between all of us because we had been in the gym for four months and we all looked at each other and we went, we've worked really hard. So this better look really good. We better get this right. And I really relied on them. You know, I really looked at those people for their guidance. I didn't want to be stupid about it, but you know, I, I remember Danny, our fight coordinator, would say, well, I th I've seen you do that better. I've seen you do that better. One more time. One more time. And I was like, one more time. Okay, let's do it one more time. So what did you know about Old Guard? Did you know, what did you know about the property? How did you get introduced to it? The graphic novel was sent to me. We were about three weeks into shooting Bombshell. And I remember vividly, we were sitting uh, at Video Village, watching a scene. Jay directing and this I got this graphic novel and I opened it up and I read like four pages of it and I was like whoa this is really interesting there was something about the graphic novel that made me feel like I don't know we were actively looking for something 
in the sci-fi world, but obviously something that felt like, you know, the, the stuff that we like, grounded, real emotional stuff. And the story had a real emotional story behind it that I think we all really responded to. And that's really where it started from that graphic novel. And then we got involved in the development. So what, what do you love about Andy? What was it that resonated with you? I really liked trying to understand the concept of living for as long as she's lived and what toll that must take on you emotionally and physically. So, you know, where we find her in the story in this very exhausted, exhausted space where she's not only lost faith in herself, but lost faith in humanity. And she's asking a lot of big questions that I think people can relate to. All of us have been in that place where we just want to give up and just say, well, what the hell does it even matter? Like nothing changes. We keep doing the same thing and it doesn't matter. People still do bad things. The world still burns. And, and so it's very easy to kind of like, you know, just want to give up. And that's where you find this character. And then how do you, how do you get that character back to being a believer? How do you bring her back to feeling like it is all worth it. And so that journey to me was a really interesting one. And, and I, I like that she's like a tired, she's like a cranky, tired, you know, she's just like super dry and like everything is just, uh, there's like this dark humor attached to everything with her. And, and she just doesn't, you know, she's not one for small talk. I loved all of those things about her. Listen, how old was she? She's over 6,000 years, but you'd never ask a lady that. I know, but she has a right to be cranky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've only lived for 54, 54 for 45 years, and I'm crazy. I know. <laughs> so why was Kiki the perfect Nile? This is someone, you know, obviously Beale Street, we saw her much softer role. How did you know that she, she was going to be this tough-ass Nile? Well, I mean, uh, yes, obviously her performance in uh, If Beale Street Could Talk was an amazing one. And so we knew that she had the chops, um, but the physical part of it is, it is a big part. When you meet her in person, there's something about her physical stature that's unbelievable. It's undeniable. She's formidable. It's shocking to me that she's never done any sports or any kind of like active thing with her, but I couldn't believe it. I remember being in the gym with her and I was like, so did you play soccer? Were you an athlete? You're, did you box? And she's like, no, I've never done anything. I couldn't believe it because everything about her body says differently. And then also she has that mind, she has that attitude of a warrior. So we knew those were really important things to have and that if she was willing to put the work in, that that would be the easy part, you know, not the easy part, but you can, you can achieve quite a bit if somebody has the willingness to go and learn something. But she had everything else. She checked all of those boxes that we needed for that character because that character has a huge influence on Andy. And you have to be quite a character to, you know, break through these walls that this woman who's lived for 6,000 years have built up that had to be a really strong woman behind that character who could do that and, and Kiki is that. We're going to take a short break right now but when we come back find out what Theron says about starring in a Marvel superhero movie. Stick around. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, 
and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of Charlize Theron. Now I got to talk to you about Nikki and Joe. I so moved by it. Like, like mm-hmm. I said, my husband and I are watching it. You see that scene where they're cuddling and Fabian turned to me and goes, wait a minute, they're a couple. And I said, oh, I <laughs> they are. But as these movies go, as Hollywood goes, I was waiting for like not to be explained and I was going to be left with like, Wink, wink, tease, tease. Oh, it's up to the viewer to whatever they want. You know, the usual thing. And I love that they are a full-on, in-love, badass couple. That you didn't do the wink, wink. You didn't do the teasing, which is just, at this point, it's, it's insulting. When you hear, like, are they a couple? Well, we'll let you decide. You guys, yeah. they're there. Yeah. Yeah, and I I remember when Greg Rucka wrote that monologue that Joe has about, you know, who his boyfriend, yeah, he's not my boyfriend, he's everything. And when we read it, it was incredibly moving. And I I remember some people going like, yeah, but can we pull this off? Like, will people actually, I was like, like, yes, we can do this. And then we we, um, we screen tested Marwan and Luca together to see how their chemistry would be. And that was the first time we heard an actor actually say those words out loud. And it was, it definitely did to all of us. It felt like one of those moments where you just went, wow, okay, this is new. Like I have not seen a lot of this. It's like exactly what you say. It hasn't been done before. It's really, it was moving. And, and you know, that scene, and I've said it, I interviewed Marwan this morning, I spoke to Gina, I'm gonna to talk to Luca later um, in the week. It's Shakespearean. I mean, it was this like Shakespeare sonnet. And I said to Gina, I'm like, I feel like people are going to like recite that at their weddings. <laughs> That's so, so interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, we have to give Marwan a lot of credit. There's something about his performance in that. If, a, if another actor played that, like you said, with the wink wink and not fully committing and leaning into it, it comes across as super melodramatic, just something that like, you know, feels written, right? And there was something about Marwan's performance in that, that it felt so guttural, like it came from such a deep place within him. It was undeniable. Like he you just sold it. He sold really feeling that way. And you feel like, you know, he's what, 600, 800 years old. And like as modern and contemporary as you are in the world at that moment, I feel like, oh, maybe he heard this at the Globe when Bill Shakespeare was actually delivering something like this. He could have been there. Yeah, 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 exactly. You should really be proud of that. I really, I I said to Maren today, I said, kids are gonna watch the movie and they're gonna say, oh my God, that's not bad. Like, they're not even like just the gay couple on the side. They're like the badass part of your little five person army. I love how much you love this. Yay, this is why we make movies. Yes. And I get people to respond like this. This is so great that that spoke to you. 
Oh, it just, I mean, listen, I love this kind of movie. You know, I love your action movies. So to see the action movie and this storyline, which I didn't know anything about. So I went in completely blind. So it was totally like, oh, I even have like a gay on movies. <laughs> I knew there was going to be like a gay thing somehow. Yeah. Um, but, you, but you said like some people thought like, could you pull it off? But you said, no, we can. Of course we can. Yeah, listen, I'm, I will tell you right now, because of the Shakespearean notion of how it's written, there was definitely a moment where I myself even went, is this going to feel melodramatic? Because what we don't want is to, for people to laugh. We don't want people to go, oh, that's funny, because it's so overdone, right? So it had to always be super honest. And and I, you know, I give Greg a lot of... Um, he gets he gets a lot of the glory here because he really leaned into it and committed fully to it. And I myself, maybe at moments, and Marwin, like Marwin really took that piece and and committed to it. And 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 you know, I might have tried to kill a few lines and be like, well, do we really need that? And they just went all the way. But it is, it's sad when you think about it. Yeah, we do worry so much about those moments because we tend to worry more and try to make the audience feel more comfortable when it really should be the other way around. We should really be telling these stories just in complete, complete honesty and have the world catch up, like yeah. get with it, jump on the bus because it's leaving. And I just, I do love how the movie, listen, you've always been politically active. You've been socially active. I think one of the times I saw you that I didn't interview you was at a, same-sex marriage rally like <laughs> in central california it was yeah. justin lance black was speaking and you were there with your mom yeah. yeah and everyone's like go interview her i'm like i'm not working just leave her alone <laughs> and well this, this movie has so much of those issues i mean there's interracial love there's you know young fierce black women a gay couple you know, this 6,000 year old woman. So you could talk about, you know, ageism in Hollywood. But it really, it touches on so many issues that I don't think people are going to be expecting. I do think that there is a sense of your own life that will always inform your art, no matter how much we want to say we're just entertainers. Um, I think it's, it's unavoidable. And I think, you know, the things that make you who you are will definitely say something about how you approach story. I know that, you know, just yesterday, um, we were developing a show right now and, um, and part of the story covers a, a, a trans woman in the 30s who was a reporter, you know, during the Roosevelt um, administration. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a part of me that when I hear stories like that, there's definitely something in me that says, we need these stories so that we can understand our history, so that we can understand people better, so that we can get to a place where maybe we don't have to talk about it as much as we do now. But I do think that there is a part of me, myself, the story of how I got here that has influenced the things that I respond to, the things that I will fight tooth and nail for, the things, the stories that I wanna, that I wanna tell. Um, and, yeah, I mean, listen, I've been doing this for a long time, so there's always a part of me that looks at a script and I go, okay, how do we do this in a new way? <laughs> how do we, you know, how is this not regurgitated? How do we push the envelope? And that's always the challenge. And I think the more you challenge yourself that way, the more you pull from things that you know or things that mean things to you. 
Do you consider Andy a superhero? Is she a superhero? I don't, you know, I, I don't consider any character I've ever played a hero. I think, mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like uh, the, the women who have inspired me, they would probably cringe at the idea of calling them heroes. Mm -hmm. But I think a hero, you know, I think those those women who come that we eventually refer to as strong, really, they are strong because they come from a very broken place. You know, they all have had to pick themselves up several times um, from failure and from their broken vulnerabilities and uh, challenges and failures. And, you know, those were those have always we've talked over the years, like those are the things that I'm interested in, because I think ultimately those are the things that make someone memorable. That's, that's the stuff. Survival is one of the most heroic things. And, you know, I always say to survivors who I come into contact with, I'm like, if you ever, if there is a superhero, it is you guys. It's just, it's just the fact that you're not willing to give up and die, that you are willing to survive and keep going. Like that's the stuff that I'm really interested in. And I feel like Andy in a weird way, is that she's yeah. somebody who I think she's made a lot of mistakes in 6,000 years. She's seen it all and <laughs> there's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's great, there's great optimism in, in finding a character like that and still giving her hope. So I want to read you this tweet um, from Gina Prince Pythroat, obviously. Um, number one reason I make movies to put black women on screen for us and the world to be inspired by and to aspire to be. I wanted to get your take on that as a mom, as a mom of two black children. When you hear someone like that in Hollywood making, being so fierce and strong about that, what goes through your mind? Yeah, listen, I, um, I want, I want more representation just selfishly for my own girls. I want that for the world as well. But of course it starts with the fact that I'm a mom to two small black girls. And I, I want them to feel, I, I want them to grow up in a world where they see themselves, where there is a, an awareness that they can be whomever they want to be because they see it. And that's not just in cinema, that's in life too. I want to surround them in a world where they feel they belong and they can shine and they can live to their full potential. I, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, when I started in the genre, the first film I did was a film called Ian Flux and I didn't have kids back then. This was in 2004, but I remember vividly when we made that film that, you know, again, I, we were lucky that the source material really supported the story. And I got to work with Sofia Okaneiro on that. And she was kind of like my right hand woman on that. And it was fun to be able to tell that story with her. And that, again, that story was incredibly diverse. So I think you don't have to, you don't have to be a black person. You don't have to be a mother to two black girls. You just need to be a human being to understand the importance of equality. And, and having a mirror truly reflect your society. And I think that's what's infuriating to our minorities out there is the fact that they do exist and they do, they do have their lives and their stories out there. And yet we so rarely turn that mirror and fully reflect them in a way that, that does them justice. So, you know, we, we need to stop being part of the problem. We need to start with ourselves. If we have the power or the luxury to say, listen, 
I get a say in like who's in this movie or who gets to be the production heads on this film or who gets to direct this, this film, we need to really step up and take that responsibility very seriously because complacency is what has gotten us to where we are today. This idea that it's okay, it doesn't matter if you have that one token person in there, it's okay. Well, we can't do that anymore. So what do you say to Hollywood where, you know, George Floyd happened, we had the protests, there were a lot of Instagrams, from a lot of social media, a lot of statements from all the studios saying, Black Lives Matter, we have to do better, we know we have to do better, we will do better. How do you hold them accountable? Do you think Hollywood will do better? Or do we forget about those statements when the no next news cycle happens? Well, I think you call them out. And I think we're at a place now where we feel brave enough to do that. And I've said this to you last time I think we talked about sexual harassment. I feel like if there is some shaming that has to be, that we have to involve some shaming, then that's what we have to do. But, yeah. but we have to, if we are silent, even if we're not the ones not making the, the right decisions and we are silent, we are just as culpable and we have to use our voices. And if we know of situations where we know people are not fully doing the, the, the potential that they have to you know, reimagine this world that we're talking about and they're not actively and proactively doing that, then we have to call them out on it. That is our responsibility. So when are we seeing old guard too? Uh, I think when there's a vaccine. <laughs> Good point. I mean, Andy, listen, Andy has survived a lot. I don't think COVID. <laughs> yeah, but even Andy is not going to be reckless and she's going to be responsible. So let's keep our fingers crossed and get that vaccine so that I can go back to the gym. I mean, oh, I mean, you've, it's set up to be a franchise, obviously. Yes. Are you allowed to say that? Yeah. And Greg, Greg Rucka, who wrote the graphic novel, wants to continue the story and is writing a, a second volume. So we, we definitely want to hopefully continue that journey with him. And we were talking about superheroes. How often are you thrown a superhero script? Like, why haven't you been in the MCU? When are we gonna see you? I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I don't, they don't call me. No. I don't know. I, they have no, I swear to God, I've never, I've never gotten anything. No, I'm not lying to you. Um, but that's okay. You know what? I am paving my own way. I'm, I'm creating my own opportunities. So it's all right. You're okay. You're doing okay. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> so it's always good seeing you. I guess we're seeing you too. I know, I know. It's so, so nice to see you too. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. That was Charlize Theron. The Old Guard premieres on Netflix on July 10th. Coming up tomorrow on The Big Ticket, Westworld leading robot Evan Rachel Wood and the Connor star Sarah Gilbert. You don't want to miss it. Until then, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and don't forget to wear a mask. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.